Do you have a mountain to climb? Well, you should, and my guests will tell you why. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading podcast. Claire Grace will be entering the University of Oklahoma this fall with 27 credit hours already completed while in high school at Stillwater, where she graduated as valedictorian, vice president of the student council, captain of the mock trial team, and oh, did I, did I mention she climbs mountains? And that's not half of it. Claire founded the Show Compassion Foundation with, with the 501c3 status. She's writing curriculum for the see-start-stop approach to showing compassion, and she's negotiating to have it placed in schools across Oklahoma. She was awarded a Ronald Reagan Leadership Medal for, uh, from her high school, which is presented to a graduating student who best exemplifies the characteristics of drive, humility, and service before self. Oh, and I did, did I mention that she climbs mountains? So I want to welcome Claire Grace. Claire, welcome to the Spirit of Leading podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, so I mentioned twice in that intro that you climb mountains, and uh, I, we were talking about this uh, several days ago when we were uh, considering doing this podcast. So tell me a little bit about that. How did, what kind of mountains do you climb, and how did you get started into trying to do that? Yes, yeah, so my stepfather has climbed all 54 14,000-foot peaks in Colorado, or 14ers, as you'll hear me typically refer to them. And so seeing him do that made me realize that I want to do that. And I've always loved nature. So whenever I started doing it, I realized, oh, this is, this is a lot harder than I thought. And I'm probably not going to get to 50, uh, all 54 like he did. However, it's each individual climb and each individual journey that matters. So uh, which uh, peaks have you uh, taken on? I've done Democrat, Huron, Sherman, and most recently Princeton. You are also one of the, the honors you received recently was to be selected by the Next Gen uh, Oklahoma Under 30 recognition, and you were actually the youngest person to ever receive that honor in the 10 years or so that that's been being given. So I want to congratulate you for that. Yes, thank you so much. And I think what caught the attention of the panel was the fact that you'd already started a foundation, uh, the uh, foundation about teaching and showing how to show compassion. Uh, Tell me how you got started with that. Why did that particular thing catch your attention? Yes, so my older sister has a -a one-of-a-kind chromosomal arrangement. So she's actually the only one in the entire world with her um, specific arrangement of chromosomes and her specific type of special needs. And so when I was younger, I realized that people would treat her differently and I didn't really think that was fair. So I started advocating and doing a lot of work within the community of people with different abilities. And it was in junior high actually when I was hosting an event for um, to advocate for people with special needs, that it was not well received. People were actually like banging on the table that I was at. They went online and they cyber bullied me. They even said mean things about my sister. And that's when I realized that hate is something that isn't really inherent in children. That's something that's taught over time. And so if we can teach people to hate, we can teach people compassion proactively. So that's what started the whole mission. And I've spoken to over 6,500 people across the state, primarily students, um, with the public speaking mission of my foundation. Although over time, the mission has kind of evolved into what you were talking about recently, um, where I am now working on curriculum and developing legislation. So the curriculum 
um, goes off of my see, stop, start approach. So see people as people first, stop using derogatory terms or mean words is what I say with my younger kiddos and start positive interaction. Now, this is something that is quick and easy to remember, just like stop, drop, and roll is to fire safety. If you realize that you're thinking some negative thoughts towards someone, um, then just instantly think, see, stop, start. And as I was giving this message, I realized how globally applicable it is, not just for people with special needs, um, but for people with any type of difference, no matter how big or how small. So that's when I started working on the curriculum because I, th I thought this would be something that is um, beneficial to be proactive rather than reactive like a lot of pre-existing anti-bullying measures are. Um, and so with that, I started researching a lot about social and emotional learning. And I researched all the states that have it and all states have it from um, like K to or birth to K timeframe, birth to kindergarten. Um, but there are roughly 20 states who have it after that point and Oklahoma doesn't. So that's why I'm now working on legislation and they would look at my curriculum that I've developed if that legislation passes to be implemented in the elementary school timeframe. Well, that's really a wonderful, wonderful task to undertake to try to bring that to our consciousness in our schools and to help people really understand that uh, just exactly what you said is that we, we learn to hate. The way I've said it in the past is very similar to yours. I said we were, bo we were born to love, but we have to learn to hate for some reason. Someone has to tell us to hate and, and why. say that you've been out speaking to a student group. How did that start for you? Did you just say, oh, I'm going to go speak? Or did you get invited? Or did you pr pr promote yourself as a speaker? Or how'd you do that? Oh, it seems like such a long time ago that honestly, I have trouble remembering. Um, but it, we've just done a lot of work since then. I think that um, the middle school in the town that I grew up in, my first assembly was there. And they were holding an assembly. And I was going to be hosting um, already an event there that day and they said why don't you just go ahead and speak at the assembly too and talk about um, what the whole event is about and expand a little bit so they gave me that time and after i did that i realized hey i really like that i want to do some more of that um and, and it just kind of came natural to me granted i'll be a, a communication major next year but uh that's kind of how that all started well, isn't that something that you get sort of put into a situation and you realize, hey, that's kind of a, that feels good. I like that. That's, I have a knack for that. I have an interest in that. It gets in your blood, sort of, right? Yeah. So did that, so a communication, is there a specific type of communication that you're interested in pursuing? I think my end goal is to pursue a career in law, um, specifically family law, and then really specifically um, for families that have children with special needs. That's just always been a goal of mine since I did mock trial. Communication is an important part of law as well. People relate to stories, don't they? They relate to uh, hearing a narrative and uh, identifying with it. That's absolutely, from what I've learned in mock trial, the biggest part of presenting your case well is telling that story, um, weaving it through your opening statement, through all of your cross-examinations and direct examinations into your closing. Yeah, so that's spot on. Well, isn't that part of what you also do in your presentations? I mean, uh, when you talked about compassion, you sort of have to tell a story about being compassionate, right? 
Absolutely. You have to draw in your audience and like in the same way as law, uh, especially when you're dealing with younger kiddos. Um, and so you want to bring them into it. And so I do tell stories of other people and their experiences as well. But I also um, bring in how it could be you who was born different in some type of way to where they actually put themselves in the shoes of another person and realize how they would feel if someone treated them like that. Um, but then I also end with, it could be you who changes the way that other people are viewed who are different than you, sure. and who sets an example and who leads by example. That's a strong lesson right there, leading by example. Look at leadership in any particular venue, whether it's political or in business or, or education or wherever it might be. People are always looking to people who are doing things, looking to the example of what people are doing, and they take their cues from that. So leaders step out. They model the behavior that they want other people to follow. And modeling that example turns out to be a very, very powerful statement. Absolutely. Leading is not always the easiest way to go, um, especially when I think about for people my generation. It's easy in my generation. It's really easy to just follow the paths that other people have set. Um, but it's really important to put yourself out there and, and lead by example, because then if you don't do it, who will? And it's kind of like mountain climbing where you have to see the end goal, you see the top of the mountain and you go, this isn't gonna be easy. Like with, with Princeton, the last one I did, I ended up um, climbing that one by myself and summiting it by myself, which was absolutely terrifying. There were so many times when I thought there's, there's no way I can reach this goal. I'm alone and it's rough and I don't know the, how I'm going to get there. Um, and that's what leadership is like in a lot of ways. It's, it's lonely and you don't know exactly where you're going um, and you're kind of on your own, but that's when it's important to see that goal. And that's the other thing actually that I like about mountain climbing is, so for me now, I think, oh, well, I solo summited Princeton, so I can do X, Y, Z, whatever the task is. And I think it's important for everybody to keep in mind to have something like that, that maybe it's not necessarily something that they're afraid of, like a fear that they conquered, but a goal that they've reached. So whenever they're reaching for other things, they can go, well, I did X, so now I can do Y. And it's also important to keep that constantly changing because sometimes you're going to just kind of go numb to it. If you thought for a year, well, I did this, like it, it doesn't resonate as much. So it's important to keep reaching for those those mm -hmm. hard things and, and setting your own trail because then when you look back, it's like, well, I did this, so I can do this. We get we get confidence from success. They say success breeds success. So I, I think, well, I, I got this thing done so I can do the next thing, and I push myself a little bit farther. But it's also easy to go, ah, look what I did. <laughs> I'll just take a rest for a while, and you kind of <laughs> yeah. get a little rusty. You know, I mean, I've done that. I'm curious about uh, your foundation, too. I mean, who was uh, – uh, at what point did you realize that you needed to organize in this way to, uh, to move your project along and who helped you do that? So one of the initial missions when I started out was to fund organizations that benefit people with special needs because oftentimes they're, they're negatively impacted by budget cuts. And so I wanted to be um, a foundation where we can help fund them because those are so crucial, not only for people with special needs, but for other people to realize realize how capable people with special needs are um, and to give them a, a place in our society. And so that's when I realized, oh, well, we need 
501c3 status and all of that so we can um, reach reach our goals quicker and and be more professional and um, give people tax deductions, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We we presented I think four small grants with that part of the mission. And now um, now we're the one looking for grants to help power. The well, yeah. Every, well, you know, uh, every little bit helps. And uh, and sometimes when people see that you've been been uh, eager to want to help others along the way, that says a lot about them wanting to help you as well. So hopefully that'll come back around and you'll receive even more benefit from it. I see that also you have uh, done some work in your com- community building with the, the Stillwater Makes a Change uh, effort there. Uh, I know a lot of communities are doing sort of community development and community kind of things to make their community a little bit better. Uh, what was that project about? Over the course of the past three years, each year we have a different beneficiary. So we've had three different beneficiaries. The first year was our Daily Bread, which was a food bank in, in Stillwater. The second year was Maya's Promise, which was especially close to my heart because in Stillwater, we don't have a an, like adaptive and inclusive playground that kids with special needs can play on. The closest one's in Edmond. So our money for Maya's Promise worked to build a playground in our community that was um, adaptive and accessible. And then this past year was Habitat for Humanity. So for the past two years, I have served as the major events director so kind of balancing two different nonprofits, but I love them both. I can have imagined my my life without either of them. And so as the major events director, I just planned all the big events like our galas, that that's personally my baby is the gala, where this past year we uh, raised actually $44,000 in one night at this gala. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss not doing it next year. Um, and there's something... Even with that organization, since it was more established than than my own 501c3, that I learned a lot from working with them um, in in things that I can now transfer over into my um, into Show Compassion Foundation of what that community outreach looks like, what an organization that's so established looks like from the inside. So it, it has been really really beneficial, and in, in the end, we actually raised um, two hundred thousand dollars last year and over 190,000 this year, putting us over the $1 million mark well, for the past 10 years. Oh, that's uh, that's pretty amazing that the, that foundation has been so successful. And mm-hmm. I'm going to miss it. That's a pretty important statement there because you realize, oh, that's, uh, that's va- I mean, it's really valuable to you personally. You get something out of it yourself just for doing it. And it's, it's not monetary or anything like that. It's just the satisfaction that you were able to contribute. And, and that's the thing with volunteering in general, no matter what it is, is I'm a very busy bodied person. I like to do stuff. And so, and, and a lot of teenagers are. So the thing is, is finding outlets to put your passion into mm-hmm. that are productive. And so that's why I, I love all of it so much is I feel like I'm being productive. I can see tangible change that it's making. Um, and, and that's what I thrive off of. And that's why one reason that I like Stillwater Makes a Change so much is because it gave a lot of teenagers in my school, whereas they might not have like gone off and started their own foundation like I did, it gave them a place where they could hone and channel their passions sure. into such a productive project. Yeah, great.
I noticed uh, that you also do some entertaining and you've been involved in pageants. How did you get involved in all that? Well, the pageants actually started with entertaining. I kind of found that there was not a great outlet for for girls between the ages of like 13 and 16 um, to just be performing and singing, which is my passion. And so I thought, hey, I just need to get on a stage and sing. Um, So that's where that portion of it came into my life. And it's actually been so beneficial, not just in the performance aspect, but the Miss Oklahoma's Outstanding Teen Organization um, one, I will have gone through my first year because technically I did that last year and this full year, um, fully not a dime out of my pocket due to scholarships from mm-hmm. the organization. So that's really, nice. Yeah, really um, nice. But also it's helped me with my public speaking to become a better public speaker, like how we have interview, um, which is translated a lot into my public speaking across the state. I really congratulate you for being successful in those. And uh, there's one that caught my attention here was uh, that you won an award called the Diana Award, which was uh, an international uh, an international recognition. And, uh, and I think in the United States, there are like only a handful of uh, people who win that or are recognized with that. Tell me about that, that particular uh, scholarship or that award. It's been really wonderful, mainly for, um, well, one, the first time they got us all together was on this big... Um, since they couldn't do the show in person, they broadcast a video. And so we had like Liam Payne from One Direction, Prince Harry, all of them were on the show talking to us, like congratulating Mm us. That was very special. Um, But also just the networking events that we've had afterwards, um, like with NextGen, where we have networking events afterwards, that's my favorite part of any kind of award like that. Like this morning I was on one um, about people who have a future in law, like learning more about, about the law um, field. And so that's been, that's been really beneficial and very interesting and just really cool to see other people all over the world who have similar passions. And they're all between the ages of, of nine and 25. Well, there will be anyone who's ever gone to law school will tell you that there is a mountain to climb in law school. Mm-hmm. And that mountain to climb is named contracts. And so it's the course in contracts. And so it's sort of like, I think the inside joke of if you make it through contracts, I think you have it in your first or second one L or two L, uh, you're home free almost. if <laughs> You can get through contracts. You really have to appreciate people who do finish their Juris Doctorate degree because that first year is just really, really grueling. And uh, it is a tough, tough mountain to climb. And I know that it takes a lot of confidence and because I've seen some, and, and a grit, because I've saw some pretty smart students fold uh, during that first year, and a lot of other people made it through, through nothing but just absolute sheer determination, because as you said earlier, they saw the path. Yeah. They saw where they were going, and they yeah, stuck it out. Yeah, one of my close friends, she's like a big sister to me, she just completed her first year of law school. She was talking to me about law and it honestly made me like, do I really want to pursue this? Um, but it's exactly what you say. You just have to see the the light at the end of the tunnel. That's what she said. She goes, I'm going to, I want to be a lawyer. I just got to make it there. I just got to see the, see the summit and, and go to it. And go so. for it. Yes. Well, you know, it's, nothing is ever just really super easy in life. Even if you're really talented, I think a lot of times we just say, well, that looks so easy and anybody can do that. Well, no, not really. The reason it looks easy is because they're good at it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. you go try. <laughs> so, so the reason that mountain climbing looks easy is because they're good at it. And then you go try, Oh wait, I can, I can barely do a pull up, you know? So 
it's uh, an important lesson to learn that we all can learn from is that uh, people at the top worked hard to get there and they deserve to be there. And, yes, uh, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with like, it's, it's the road less traveled. Like it's, it's not always the fun way to go and it can be hard. Like when I think back on, on my time in, um, well, really from like middle school to high school, I like didn't go to any parties, but do I regret how I lived my high school and middle school experience? No, absolutely not because I'm where I am now. But at the time you just got to think about the end goal and, and take the road less traveled, which so many kids are kind of afraid to do that. But, but you got to live a life where you know that you won't have regrets. Uh, that's a, an important lesson too, is that if you're good with yourself, for, and you believe in what you're doing and you see why you're doing it and there's nothing that you give up that you really regret give up, giving up. Uh, I was on the stage this last weekend with uh, Robin Robertson, who was the founder of We Go Look, which she eventually sold for a lot, a lot of money. She talked about how that uh, business just didn't develop overnight. It took years and years and years of really hard work and she said I never went to movies and I didn't watch television and she said I didn't you know I didn't do that every waking moment was spent uh, doing something in the early days building building that business but if I hadn't have done that I would never have had that I would never have been able to to be successful and a lot of people uh, don't find that measure of success just because they aren't willing to to give up you know some of those things that are fun to do for the thing that you need to do to be successful at that level. And that's true in all walks of life, whether it's uh, entertaining or, or um, you know, writing or doing just about anything. The people who are really world-class are the ones who really put in the work to get there. Yeah, making sacrifices is scary. <laughs> it, it honestly is. Um, and I'm reading a book by Brene Brown right now, uh, Daring Greatly. And for me, vulnerability has like been a big thing of um, putting yourself out there, which is kind of ironic because I do it a lot, but like in, in my personal life and that book has just been incredible. And, and it talks about how it's, there's a lot of stuff in life that's scary. Making sacrifices is scary going into the unknown. It's scary, but you're not going to live if you don't do it. It pays off because, uh, because once you get through that, I mean, you, you learn, you learn along the way and you build a lot of um, abilities, and I mean, it's where you get your experience, and that's where your wisdom comes from, all those things. The wisdom comes from making all those mistakes. It doesn't come by just being smart. It comes from having the experience and saying, you know, this is where that pays off. One of the things I talk about is what I call opportunity equity. It came to me years ago when I was teaching a workshop. I was, I was teaching uh, supervisors how to really hopefully engage their workforce to get them to participate in more of their skill more of their opportunities for professional development and the the point was uh, there were a lot of people who had gone to work every day and done very very well they did their jobs well they were highly skilled at what they did and then they went home at the end of the day and along the way they never never ever went to any of the personal development workshops, any of the extra classes they could go to to learn new skills for things that were coming on. And when it came time for uh, people to be promoted to the next level, next level of supervisor, these people were passed over because the young people who came along behind them had been going to those workshops and had been developing themselves and then putting themselves in out there doing the extra work and stuff. They had been building their own equity in themselves and they they ran past those people who never did that. 
And it, they, and it was a real hard lesson for people who had been out there thinking, well, I've been here 20 years, 25 years, you know, I ought to get the job, I ought to get the promotion, because I've been here a long time. And, the, and they were telling them, well, you know, you didn't grow. I tell people that every time you get a chance to volunteer for a project or uh, get invited to do something, take it. Take that opportunity and do it because what you're really doing is you're learning and you're building skills that nobody can take away from you. You know, they can take your job, they can reduce your pay, but what you've learned along the way is yours to keep forever and to build on. It's your equity. It's your personal equity. And that's what you're selling later down the road. When you go to to the next job interview, they say, what have you done? Say, looky here, you know, I did all this. And so that gives you an opportunity to show that you grow, that you've taken advantage of the opportunities you have, and you build that equity in yourself. And I hear that's what you're doing. That's why I'm so impressed with your life so far. And uh, what you've done is that all of these things along the way that you've talked about and these honors you've received, and this, it comes because you did the work. It comes because you saw an opportunity or something needed to be done, and you did it. And when I talk about people who are empowered, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who see a need and act on it. They don't go around saying, gee, somebody ought to do something about that. <laughs> they say, hey, I, I'm going to do something about that. And they get out there and do it. And part of my message in this particular Spirit of Leading uh, podcast is that you can do it at any age. This is not an age-limited experience. You can, you're never too young. You're never too old to see a need and do something about it. From what you've shown me and your work so far, you're a good example of a very empowered individual who I think is going to do a lot of great things. And I'm excited to see, uh, see you getting these recognitions and uh, hopefully we'll be able to really parlay them into something that not only for you, but for a lot of other people you're going to influence and a lot of people who are going to look at what you've done and say, oh, I could do that. I'm going to do that. And they get involved in your projects, and they learn as they go, and they get involved, and they go on to do their thing. So it ripples. That's the goal. <laughs> so, well, what's next for you? I mean, I know you're going to school. That's a big thing. I will be taking 17 credit hours this next semester at OU, although only three are on campus. Um, and I will be interning for my representative, John Talley, um, to create kind of that legislation, that mm -hmm. bill and everything to be ready for next session um, whenever, whenever we get to do all the fun stuff <laughs> right. with the bill. Um, so that's what I'm currently working on. Well, that's a lot of that's a lot on your plate, but there's a lot of real exciting uh, opportunities there that uh, I think you're just going to really enjoy and learn from. What would you tell the young people who've listened to this uh, interview and say, "Well, you know, I can't do that," or "It's way too much," or whatever? I mean, but there are some who who just they don't quite believe in themselves yet. They don't know. Well, who am I? Why why would I why would why would I think that I could do great things? What would you want to tell them? Find what you're passionate about. It will never be hard or tedious or even seem like a lot of work at the time if you're doing what you're passionate about. And that might um, be within volunteering, be like maybe you're more passionate about um, working at a homeless shelter, or at an animal shelter and developing programs like that. Or it might not even be volunteering related. If, if you're passionate about sports or music, 
just find what you're passionate about and grow from there. Cause it will never, ever seem like too much in the moment if you really care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so start that as young as you possibly can, because then you'll have a purpose and that's, what's going to drive you to great things. Has there been one big lesson that you think you've taken away from all this that, uh, really made a difference to you? It just so reflecting on what was happening, what did you learn about yourself or learn that you think, uh, was sort of a, a turning point or a big time of encouragement for you personally? For me, I'd have to say it's, it was at that initial event where I was being bullied and cyberbullied for standing up. Cause that's when I realized you can either take the negatives and just mope about it and process it and go, Oh, well, people don't like what I'm doing, or you can take it and turn it around. Um, and so many people would just think, Oh, well, this is a sign I shouldn't keep going, but it's important to take things as a sign that you should keep going. Cause it's needed. Um, so, so for me, it's really don't see things like that as a negative thing. Always find a way to put a positive spin on a setback. Right. Well, it's, 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 it's a need that certainly a need that certainly presented itself. Congratulations on having the courage to do it, and I'm glad it's paid off for you. Thank you. Well, listen, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast. I want to thank Claire Grace for taking her time to tell us about her experience and her young life so far it's a, it's her whole life but it's a, what, 18 are you 18 19 yet 18 18 all right 18 that's why i said earlier you're never too young and certainly never too old to really find your creative energy and unleash that creative energy that you have within you because you were born with it and so some people just haven't learned to use it yet or haven't appre- not appreciated that they actually do have it but uh, claire has And our encouragement to you is that uh, you'll learn to do that too as well. So, Claire, thanks again for joining us, and good luck to you down the road. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast. I want to thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate just anyone who demonstrates the Spirit of Leading at work or in the community. Be watching for the next installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast. You can sign up to join the Empowered, and you'll receive notifications when the next installment is published. You'll also receive links to my Empowering Thoughts weekly podcast. So until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day. Encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters.